Are you ready to go into a new season of rejoicing? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm tired. Does anybody else feel tired? I think there's a real weariness around at the moment, a spirit of heaviness. And I've just been really feeling that over this past week. And, uh, you know, last week I wasn't that myself either. And, you know, I really sensed this week that I needed to have a, just a wee sit down with the Lord and kind of have a chat about what I was really feeling and where I was at. And on Sunday morning, uh, I was on the welcome team here on Sunday morning and a big man came through the door and he shook my hand, his name's Desi, and he says to me, are you getting ready for the new season? And I sort of thought, what's he talking about? And then I could see the big grin on his face and he said, there's a new season with the Lord, you know, it's about to break out, do you not know? And something in my spirit rose. Honestly, it was... It was just, it really impacted me all day on Sunday. And, and I just knew that I had to put this title in today, going into a new season of rejoicing. Because I believe if we had a real fresh look at what God is doing for us behind the scenes, I believe we'd be rejoicing. Would you agree with me? I believe if we really understood the nature of the God whom we love and serve, we would be jumping around here, we'd be partying before this morning was over. So we're going to, we're going to look at this story. You know, I had been feeling under a bit of, pressure is not the right word, but I had been thinking, do you know, I really want to finish the whole Gospel of Luke before uh, before we separate in June. So I was mapping out like how I could do this and how many chapters I could do a week and, and get it all in there. Um, and I was going for it. And then I just felt like the Lord said, would you cast yourself on? <laughs> and you know, I just pulled right back. I was going to do a whole lot more, but I just felt the Lord really prompting me just to do Luke 15 today. The lost sheep the lost coin, and the lost son. And I'm believing that the Lord's going to meet with us this morning. And you know what? I am going to trust him between now and the first Tuesday in June when we say goodbye for the summer. Just as God guides me through the rest of this Gospel of Luke, we'll just do whatever he highlights to do and we'll leave it at that. Is that okay? So I'm trusting the Holy Spirit completely this morning, knowing that only he can take the word of God and apply it to your hearts and to mine. And I am believing that by the end of this morning that we are going to go out of those doors aware of and confident of the fact that we are going into a new season of rejoicing. Are we in agreement? Yes. Right. Well, let's just look then and we're going to... Um, just read uh, the first few, few verses of Luke 15. It says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Jesus to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Did you notice that, uh, that these religious people, uh, that they were complaining because Jesus was receiving sinners and was fellowshipping and openly 
uh, have, spending time with these sinners and these social outcasts. And then it goes on to say in verse 3, So, because these Pharisees were complaining, Jesus spoke this parable to them, saying, and he starts to tell these stories. You see, I think we need to realise at the beginning, right now, before we start, we need to know that, that the Lord wanted to enlighten these, these people who were complaining. He wanted them to understand not only who he was, but why he had come to the earth in the first place. He wanted to awaken them to the fact that he came to seek and to save those that were lost. He didn't come for religious people who thought that they didn't need salvation and didn't need the Lord in their lives. And Jesus was telling these stories with a particular emphasis and an aim in his heart, not to, not to show them up or to shame them, but to awaken them to the, tr to the truth and the reality of who he was and how he loved them and what he wanted to do in their lives. And so he tells the first story, and here it goes. Verse 4, Jesus said, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise, this is what Jesus said, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety and nine just persons who need no repentance. So Jesus is telling this story about this lost sheep. And I suppose primarily the story is for people who are lost and who have never known the shepherd, who have never been saved. Primarily this story, I think, is reaching out to people who, who've never, ever been born again. They've never been alerted to the fact that they need to be saved. I think that's the primary thrust of what Jesus was speaking about. But I also believe it's for us, those of us who are saved and who have maybe wandered and maybe just not who we're meant to be. You see, Jesus himself said that he was the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. And, and he, he wants us, I believe, this morning to know that if there's anyone in here and you have never understood that Jesus loves you and that unless that you come to him for salvation, unless you come in repentance and realise that you're lost, that you were born into this world lost, without a saviour, out of, out of contact with God because you were born with the sin virus and you need to be saved and you need to be, you need to be forgiven and you need to be reconnected to the God of the universe. If you are that person who is like this sheep that's gone astray, then this morning here's the opportunity for you to come and get to know your shepherd who gave his life for you. But I believe that most of us here this morning already know Jesus, have already accepted him as our saviour and as our shepherd. And I believe that for many of us, we can feel a bit lost, just like this sheep. Because Jesus said that we're, all of us are like sheep that have gone astray. We've all gone away, aside to our own. We've all gone astray. We've all gone. All we like sheep have gone astray 
and turned every one to her own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So there is that sense, although we're saved, there's a sense where we still tend to turn to our own way. We still have the old nature, and if, you're, if you agree with me, if you're anything like me, we still turn to our own way, and we still sometimes find ourselves wandering and taking one step after the other. I was visualising this sheep this morning and I was thinking just took one step, one wrong choice, then another one. And before the sheep knew it was in strange territory and it didn't know where it was and it was somewhere or other, it, it, it was lost and it was in danger. And you know, I believe that, that the Lord wants us to understand that he knows. He knows when we wander, even as saved sheep, that we wander and we take wrong steps and before we know it, we're, we're away somewhere. I wrote it in your notes and I'm going to read it just the way I wrote it. I said, there are others who have been truly saved and have known the shepherd's love, but at the same time, for whatever reason, they too are feeling lost in the difficulties and trials of life. That's because even after salvation, we have an enemy who tries to lure us off the beaten track of God's word and take us into a place of fear, confusion and dread of the future. Jesus actually said that Satan came to steal, kill and destroy. Have you felt it? Especially at certain seasons and specific circumstances in your life. Have you felt, have you felt the fear and confusion? Do you know, I can only answer for myself. And I know as I'm getting older, and after a week like last week where I didn't feel great, do you know, you begin to realise your own vulnerability, don't you? And you know, the enemy is very quick to get in on the back of fear. He's very quick to get in to bring confusion into your mind, into your thinking. And I can only speak for myself, but I had to sit down and have a talk with the Lord because I realised without, without even being aware of it, that somehow I had slipped into a place of a wee bit of fear about the future or about this or that situation. And you know what? We all can make that journey. We can all take one step after another and find ourselves away from, from the fold. We can find ourselves out in, the, out in the hill somewhere, so to speak. We can find ourselves in a place where we feel confused and where we even can dread stuff that's happening in our lives. Would you agree with me? Is that true? And you see, I think that the shepherd wants us to know that he's just as much with us and going after us in those times as he is whenever we're celebrating and praising and in great form. You see, the sheep can make one wrong decision and before long, another one and another one and end up feeling very estranged and feeling very afraid. And, and God, I believe, wants to really draw some straying sheep back this morning, back into his arms. Many years ago, I was up in Donegal. Some, I can't even remember which part it was, but I remember we were standing. It was a beautiful day, and we were looking over at the mountains and the hills, and it was just a beautiful day, and the scenery, as you know, in Donegal was just fabulous. And I remember looking across, and there was like a ridge and a big, deep, big big deep drop down in this part of the hill of the mountain 
And I noticed that there were sheep standing right on the very edge of the of the drop, you know. And I remember passing a remark to somebody about that the sheep looked as if, you know, it was a very precarious place. And do you know, as I was actually talking, one of those sheep just dropped down. I'll never forget it. It just dropped off the side of the hill down into the gully. I never could tell ever what happened to that sheep. But you know, it reminded me of the danger that we can find ourselves in because the enemy wants to kill and to steal and to destroy and he wants to destroy our lives. And if we have trusted Jesus to be our saviour, he can't he can't harm our soul. We're going to be in heaven with Jesus. But he can rob us and he can steal from our lives. And if he can get us off track and get us away in a place where we're feeling afraid and a place where we're out of fellowship with him, we're in danger because the enemy can steal from our lives and steal from our destiny. And the Lord doesn't want that to happen. And so I just want to really, really encourage you today that God is concerned about your mental health. He's concerned about your thought patterns. He's concerned about your emotions today. He wants you to know that that he is here and he loves you and that he is still the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. And that even if you know him and you've been saved for a long time, but you're feeling distanced and you're feeling estranged from him and you've wandered and you haven't been reading and you haven't been praying maybe and you're feeling a great distance, I believe he wants you to know that the message to you this morning is that he's still the loving saviour that's going after you and he wants to bring you back. And you know, I love this story and we've just read it. I love the story because I can imagine leaving the 90 and it actually says he left the 90 and 9 in the wilderness. You know, they weren't, you know, do you remember the song, the old, so old hymn that we used to sing about there were 90 and 9 in the, in the, and I think it actually says in the fold, isn't it, in the fold that night? But you see, they weren't, the Bible says they were in the wilderness. They didn't know that they, of their need, they were in the wilderness, but the one that had really gone astray, Jesus was going after the one that knew that it was in need. And, and I get this picture of Jesus heading off in, the, and I suppose I can imagine this, this I imagine the snow and the, and, the, and you know, the, the storm and, and, and this sheep, and I can just picture the sheep like caught up in the briars. You know, it might be mine, like an overactive imagination. I see it all caught up in the briars, you know, and the blood running out of it, you know, because it's been ripped and torn. But you know what? There's a whole lot of us, and we have been caught up in the briars of life. But you know what? There's a lot of us bleeding. There's a lot of us bleeding with anxiety and worries, and we're carrying stuff that God never intended for us to carry. Because he's a good shepherd. What did, what did, when Jesus told this story, what did the shepherd do when he found that sheep? He lifted it up, didn't he? What does it actually say? It actually say it, he lifted it up. It says, and when he comes home, no, and when he found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. He lifts the sheep up, and he puts the sheep on his shoulders, and he carries the sheep home. And I was wondering, as I was preparing for this today, I, I wonder, are there any of us that feel like you're a bit like that sheep? where you've been caught up on some stuff of cares and worries in this world and maybe even bleeding a little bit and you're just feeling you're not in a good place. But you know what? The Lord wants to actually put his hand on you today. And I believe he wants to lift you out of a place of discouragement 
I believe he wants to lift you out of a place of worry, maybe even regrets, maybe even fear of the future, maybe dread for what tomorrow might bring about some particular situation. I believe the Saviour wants to lift you up and put you on his shoulders and carry you out of here today. And so the Lord wants you to know that that is who he is. He is the one who goes after. He is the one who rescues. He is the one who says it as well. I've written in your notes here that it's easy to drift. Philip Emerson said something here on Sunday morning and it really stuck with me and I've written it in your notes. He said, do you ever ask yourself when, you go, when you're getting into bed at night and you're about to turn the light off, do you ever ask yourself, Lord, am I closer to you today than I was yesterday? And I just wrote in your notes, how easy to find yourself further from God today than yesterday. I believe that the Lord wants us to experience an ongoing, ever-increasing love relationship with himself. I believe he wants it to get better and better. I believe he wants us to feel closer and closer. But the enemy doesn't want that. And the story of this sheep is about the foolishness of human beings and it's about God's persistent love for them. Jesus, the good shepherd who gave himself for the sheep. I've written in your notes, do you need to be found and lifted today for the first time? Maybe if you've never ever known Jesus as your saviour and you know that you're away from him and you're not enjoying a relationship with Jesus as your saviour and your Lord, then today would be the time that you could just call out to him. And Romans 10 and 13 says, let me just read it to you. Uh, don't misquote this verse because I love this verse and it's so, so true that God wants you to... Sorry, making that noise. God wants you to call out to him. He wants you to know that he loves you and he wants you to know that he is ready to save you. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's you and that's me. We were all lost in our sins. And so Romans 10 and 13 <coughs> says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved and you know that's true for salvation but you know it's also true just for the ordinary everyday life and situations and fears and anxieties and things that happen to us we just need to call on him we just need to call on him and he'll save us whatever the situation is because he's a faithful god and he's a god who loves to save and he's a god who loves to lift us up and if if today you just feel that you need to be you need to be restored to fellowship with him again you know what he's right in there he wants to lift you up and carry you on his shoulders and did you notice whenever we read this did you notice that the shepherd after he had found the sheep that he he says he when he when he came home he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them rejoice with me for i have found my sheep which was lost I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety and nine just persons who need no repentance. Rejoicing in heaven. I love it. I love the fact that we have a God of restoration. Joel chapter 2 and 25 says that he will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. 
He's a God of restoration. He's a God who can, who can reach out to you even when you've strayed away from him. You know, I look back over my life and there were so many times throughout my life where I look back and, you know, many a person wouldn't have known that I was far away from God, but in my heart I drifted. And many a time I was having a different lifestyle and not living the way God really wanted me to live. But, you know, I am so thankful that I have a God who, who restores I am so, God, so glad that I have a God whose arm reaches out, and a long arm who reaches out and keeps his hand upon his own sheep. He knows you. He knows that you're his own. And you need to know that you're his own. And you need to know that if you're feeling distant from him today, he's not wanting to feel distant from you. You need to know that he wants to go after you and bring you back because that is who he is. And I think this first story about the sheep shows us very much the heart of Jesus, the heart of the Saviour, the one who left heaven, the one who came all this way to go after the lost sheep, to reach out and to bring us home. The second story is about the lost coin. Let's just read what it says there, verse 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbours together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I have lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Another story about about something being lost and being found. I believe that if Jesus is the picture of the Godhead going after the lost sheep, I really sense as I read this that this is a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit who, who, who is like the, who is the, the person of the Godhead who shines the light on the Word of God and, and illuminates the word of God to our hearts so that we will, we will be awakened to our need. And in this particular story, you notice that the coin had no life of its own. It was, there's no life in a coin. The sheep had life, it was, it was wandering, but the coin was dead. No life in the coin. An amazing picture of what we're like when we're dead in sin. And, and Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 talks about how when we came to know the Lord, how we became alive in him. You know, before salvation, we, our, our spirits were dead to God. We had no spiritual life in us. We, we were born spiritually dead because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. But I love Ephesians. I love the whole book of Ephesians. And Ephesians 2 says, and you and me. God, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and in sins. So we were born into this world spiritually dead. But when we trusted Jesus to be our saviour, the Holy Spirit breathed life into us and we became alive. Our spirits became alive and connected to God. Holy Spirit came to live in us. And from that moment on, we became alive in Christ. And this picture of the coin is a very, very clear picture of spiritual death. No life in this coin. We know that, that this, the ten coins that the woman would have worn would have been probably for her wedding. That she would have saved up and these, they would have been worn across her forehead. And so one of these coins, when it, when it was lost, 
It was very, very special and very, very valuable to this woman. And of course, she was going to search for it because it had, apart from the, the value on it financially, monetary, it was it was the value of it emotionally and uh, to her and for the meaning, the sentimental meaning, uh, as part of her wedding um, betrothal um, jewelry. And so, of course, she was going to search for this. And it says she she brought a light and then began to sweep the house. What a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit. Shedding light on the word of God, awakening us, helping us to see the truth, helping us to find where we are, helping us to be awakened to our need. (coughs) Holy Spirit moving around, moving, sweeping across us, uh, enlightening our minds with the word of God to awaken us to our need. What a God we have. What a God. And, and, And if the first... If the, the sheep was, was lost because of its foolishness, and then this, this, this um, piece, this coin, this coin was lost probably because of carelessness, uh, as this woman would have been maybe taken it off or not noticed that it, it had dropped off. But you see, she goes after it, and she's a picture of the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit move together. I love the fact that the, that the Godhead moves together. I've just been so aware recently of, of how no wonder we're told that, that God is one, but yet God is three in one, he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because, you know, one, one speaks of selfishness. True love cannot only focus on one. True love has to focus on more than one, and so God is love, and God as the love between the Godhead is constantly moving and, and in this selfless love uh, together. And you know what? When we get saved, we're drawn into that love. I mean, it's fabulous. It's wonderful that we're drawn into the love of God to, to share and be part of the movement. God is moving. God wants us to move in love and move together with the Godhead. We are one with God. This is a great mystery, but it's wonderful that God wants us to actually to enjoy him and to move with him into the purposes that he has. And so we see that when this woman finds the lost coin, she rejoices. And again, we're reminded that all heaven rejoices whenever one sinner comes to repentance and finds true faith. And then, of course, the final story, the one we're going to focus in on, as we look at this story about the, we often call it the prodigal son, I have called him the, the lost son because he was also lost. I looked up the meaning of prodigal and it just means one who is wasted. Um, and of course we know that this exactly what this boy did, he wasted his substance. We used to say on riotous living, I think that's the old translation, isn't it? He wasted his substance on riotous living. My father used to tell the story, Sally will know about this, about a wee man and he used to say he um, grew up in the country and he never really went very far and he used to say, if I had my life to live over again I'd be wilder than ever. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? This prodigal son was wild and he wasted his life. But you know what? Do you see for God to live our life for God? If I had to live what I've already lived over again, I'd be wilder than ever I was. I would. And you know what? I'm hoping I can be wilder for the rest of my days. 
Because you know what? We have a God who's white. A God who loves so fiercely, so beautifully. A God who goes the extra mile. The go- a God who, who blows our thinking. A God who's always ahead of us. And a God who wants to awaken us. Jesus wanted to awaken these religious people. He wanted to shake them up to, that they would understand who he was and what he was wanting to do in their lives. And this morning I'm believing that you go out of here feeling that something has been awakened afresh in you to know that God loves you and that God wants more. And that he wants you to really know more of his love and of his plans for your life. Let's read the story and then we'll, we'll talk about it. <clears throat> Verse 11 of Luke chapter 15. Then Jesus said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. The fact that this old man did that before he was dead shows me the grace, shows me the grace of this father. That was unheard of in those days. It was unheard of for a young man to even want to have his his inheritance before his father died. It was as good as saying to his father, I wish you were dead, that I could get your money. That was the insult that this young boy was, was throwing out to his father. Verse 13, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed into a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Prodigal living. Wasteful living. Verse 14, and when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his, feed, into his fields to feed swine. So he was obviously working for Gentiles. He was working with pigs. And this young man would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hard servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Then I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hard servants. And he arose and came to his father, and when he was still a great way off, His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now the older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked what are these, what do these things mean? And he said, your brother has come and because he is and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But the, the older brother was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandments at any time. And yet you never give me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours comes... And, and as, this, this son, but as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, 
You killed the fatted calf for him. The father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and alive again, was lost and is found. I'm going to read that in a few minutes. I'm going to read it again in the message translation. But let's get a picture of this story. Let's look at exactly what happened here, because this young man was just cheeky enough to go and ask his father, give me, give me what I'm entitled to now. What an insult in the Jewish culture. What an insult to go to an old father and to ask him to divide up the inheritance now. But you know, the father did what he asked. And so we're told that this young man went off, uh, he went off uh, to the far country. And we can only imagine the wild life he had there. We can only imagine the, the riotous living. We can only imagine how, hey, when he had plenty of money to throw around him, he had lots of friends. But then the famine came and the money ran out, as it tends to do, and this young man was left eh, without any food. And eh, after squandering everything in wasteful, selfish living, he finds himself starving and eating or wishing he could eat the pig's food. And then one day, I love that turn of phrase. Just can you imagine one day, he's just thinking over things and he's miserable. And he's been treated badly and he's no food and no one's taken any compassion on him. Because you know what? That's what the world does. Smile and the world smiles with you. Cry and cry alone. It's a true saying. And this, this young guy, is, is on his own and he's absolutely starving and he's thinking about his father's house. Isn't it amazing how you get homesick whenever things aren't going so well? And I can just imagine he's beginning to think about his father. He's beginning to think about how his father was always there for him. He's beginning to remember how the father was willing to give him the very best. And here he is in the world and they won't even give him something a bite to eat. And he's beginning to compare what his home is like and he's beginning to think of the father at home. And something in his heart, something moves in his heart. The Bible says when he came to himself. He came to himself. Sometimes, guys and girls, we need to come to ourselves. Sometimes we need to get our thinking straight. And something shifted in this young man and he began to think, do you know what? I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up from here. There was a moment came where he decided he was going to arise. And you know what? In our lives, there are times when things get bad that we can lie and bemoan our problems and our, and our sufferings or we can make a decision, you know what? I'm going to get up. With God's help, I'm going to get up. This young guy comes to a point where he says, I will arise and go to my father. He's made a decision to go back to his father. And I can just visualize him on the way home. And we've read the story how he was practicing and rehearsing what he was going to say to his father. Make me a servant. As I was thinking of this over the last few days, I could hear him repeating it. You know, do you ever go, have to go somewhere and you, you knew you were going to have to make a very difficult speech? <laughs> you knew you were going to have to say something that was very difficult and you wanted to say it the right way. You ever, did you ever rehearse it? Did you ever go over how you'll say it in your mind? And I could just imagine this young boy and he's tramping home. And he's a great way to go when he's thinking, I'll, I'll say, make me a servant. Make me a servant. Just make me a servant. And then he's thinking, for I'm no longer worthy. 
and because your son. And he's repeating that as he's tramping home. And then it says, when he came, he was still a great way off. He, was, he, like, he wasn't just up the road, he was still a great way off. And it says that he, he says that the, the father saw him. Do you know what? I know we've said this so often before, and the danger is we've heard this story so often that our hearts can get hard to it. But you know what? I believe with all my heart that this old father was out every day. It wasn't by chance that he was out looking that day. I believe he was out every day and he was looking as far off as he could see every day, waiting for that son to come home. And it says the father saw him. The father saw him before he saw the father. The father saw him and had compassion upon him. But here's the thing. The father, this old man, gathered up his skirts and began to run towards his son and this of course was unheard of in Jewish culture you see Deuteronomy 21 gives very definite teaching in the law of Moses that if a son was wasteful and rebellious as this boy had been that the, that the, the community could actually stone the boy to death if he was going to come back after wasting everything and if he was going to come back as a disgrace, he could have been, legally could have been stoned according to the law. And you see, this old, this old man, it says he had compassion on his boy. And so his intent was to get to the boy before the community would get to the boy. Because at that particular time in history, there was a particular ceremony. It was known as the cutting off ceremony. It had a particular name called the Gezeza. And, and that particular ceremony meant that, that for a, a son who came home in disgrace, that the community would come with a, let me just read this to you, that they could come with a, a clay pot filled with burnt beans and this this pot was broken at the feet of the offender as a visual symbol that the community would reject him forever he had wasted everything and if the community had got to that boy before the father then the ceremony would have been completed they would have broken the clay jar and it would have been an official statement in front of the whole community that this son was no longer welcome in this community that he was rejected but listen this old man understood and understood the heart of the community that they would be hard-hearted you know why because they didn't love his son the way he loved his son and this old man lifts his skirts because he couldn't have run with the long clothing that they wore in those days and for an old man for a middle-aged man or an old man to show their bare legs was a shame it was shameful the community counted it as shameful and he lifts his robes and he ran as fast as he could this old man running towards his boy because he had to get to him first and when he reached him the boy starts his, his, his speech, Father, make me a servant. He doesn't even get the words out. He doesn't even get the words out because the father knows his heart and the father knows that he's come back and that he's repentant. The father knows that he's ready for forgiveness and ready for restoration. And the father puts his arms around him and the, 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 the word that's used in the Greek, it means not just kissed him, but it means he kept kissing him and kept hugging him and the father kissed him and embraced him 
and wept over him. I'll tell you, when those people were coming from the community, ready with their clay pot, when they saw the father kissing his boy, they knew there was no chance of any cutting off ceremony. They could forget that idea. This boy had been totally and absolutely not just forgiven, but restored. Did you hear what the father said? Quick, quick, get the best robe. Not just any old robe, but the best robe. Do you know that your father in heaven loves you and dresses you in the best? You, if you've trusted Jesus, are wearing the garment of righteousness. You have the best robe put on you. And the father says, quick, put shoes on his feet. Why? Because a slave doesn't wear shoes. A slave goes barefoot, but a son wears shoes. You are You are the daughter, sons and daughters of the Lord Most High. And listen, your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You are well shod. You are wearing beautiful footwear today. And you know what? He says, go and get the ring. What was the ring? The ring was the signet ring. It was the ring. It was the seal. If there was any orders being made in the home, if any orders had to be made for the farm and payment was to be made, then the, the, the signet ring was used as the authority to place the order, as the authority to pay for whatever needed to be paid, paid for. This boy was given the ring of authority. This boy was totally accepted. This is what our Heavenly Father does for us. This is the welcome that awaits us. And even in those times when we feel that we've just drifted a little bit and maybe we're just not enjoying the Lord the way we were, you know what? The Father is standing waiting and his arms are open to you today. And he's saying, come in and enjoy my house. Come in. I want to kill the fat of calf. Let's have a party. And you know, if we could realise and understand how much God loves us, if we could realise and understand that he wants to give us the best, do you know what? we would be getting into that party and we would be ready. We'd be ready to rejoice. And we would understand the heart of God towards us in a fresh way, in a way that would just change any, any heaviness or any sense of fear or confusion or dread. Do you know why? Because we would know the heart of our Father towards us. To give us the best. We would understand that he loves us And we would understand that he wants us to party. But did you notice this older boy? Did you notice that when he came, did you notice that he wasn't a bit pleased? Let me read this to you in the the message. When he was still a great way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran and embraced him and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. All this time his older son was out in the field. While the day's work was done, he came in. And as he approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. And calling over one of the houseboys, he asked, What's going on? He told him, Your brother came home. Your father's ordered a feast, barbecued beef, because he has, he has him home safe and sound. 
And the older brother stalked off in an angry sulk and refused to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, look how many years I have stayed here serving you. Another translation says, slaving for you. Do you notice the attitude that the older son was working for the father? It was a drudge. Did you notice that it was a slaving or I've been serving you? Never giving you one moment of grief. But have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours who has thrown away your money on whores shows up and you go out, all out with a feast. His father says, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time and everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time and we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead and he's alive. He was lost and was found. How does it come that a religious spirit, a self-righteous spirit, robs us of the joy of the party? How does it come that when we, when we can't appreciate that God throws out forgiveness to people around us who in our eyes don't deserve it, how does it come that it robs our joy? I wrote in your notes, and I want to read it again because I think it's important that we, that we read this and think a little bit about it. You'll know you're an older brother if you find yourself angry when people are blessed whom you don't think deserve to be. That's the older brother spirit. That's the older brother mentality. The one that is self-righteous, the one that wants the truth for a tooth, the one that doesn't understand grace. Do you know what? We're all saved by grace. There's no other way to come to the Father. You'll know you're an older brother if you find yourself angry when people are blessed whom you don't think deserve to be blessed. And when that happens, you'll need to remember that you'll never enjoy the party unless you realise it's all based on grace. There but for the grace of God go I. Do you know what? It's a very dangerous thing to judge other people. Because do you know what? The Bible says that God will, will, will judge us with the same judgment that we meet out to others. We need to be very careful. But you know what? The Father opens his arms to us today. And I believe he's saying, do you know what? Please don't be distant from me. Please come home. If you've just drifted even a little bit, please come home because I'm waiting for you and I want to throw a party for you. I know we've been talking a wee bit this last week or two about the, about the partying and about the dancing because we left Glenada in the dance. <laughs> we had a weekend away and we had a parcel time and that night we, we, just, we were talking about David dancing before the Lord and we had a great time. We, just, we put on some music and we just danced before the Lord and we were free and you know what, it was beautiful. But you know what, I believe that God wants our spirits to rise today, to realise that actually when we understand what we've been forgiven, when we understand that God is still planning for us in love, when we understand that God has got all your fears and your worries, he's really got them sorted. He knows how to sort things out. When you're able to roll everything over onto him, do you know what's released? The release 
in your heart will be that you'll be able to rejoice and dance and party before the Lord. Jesus was sending out very, very strong um, reality to these religious people who were full of rules and regulations, but no relationship, no joy in the relationship with their heavenly Father. Jesus, Jesus was, he was the one in the first story, the one who went after the sheep. Holy Spirit is a picture of the, of the woman searching and, and the, putting the light and, 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 and looking and, and, and sweeping the room, speaking of how the Holy Spirit searches and enlightens the Word of God. The Father who, who, who was looking for the Son and welcomed him home is a, is a picture of God our Father, the Trinity, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And you know what? This story was really meant to help the, the religious people to understand their need that it wasn't just the sinners and the, the publicans and the sinners and the social outcasts who needed to be found and saved and, and restored that they needed to know that they also were lost and so this story was to show them that they were just like the 99 <coughs> sheep that they were just like the nine coins across the the woman's forehead, the ones that were left, that no one needed to go after, and that they were just like this older brother, that actually they didn't appreciate the fact that these sinners were looking and trying to get near to Jesus. They didn't understand why. They, they wanted Jesus just to, to cast them aside. They had no heart, they had no compassion. They had the elder brother spirit. You know what, there's a lot of religious people around today who are just like the elder brother. I remember somebody said one time, it was as well that it was the father who was waiting for the son and who saw him a great way off. It's as well he wouldn't have had the same reception if the elder brother had seen him in the distance, would he? You know what? We need to watch our hearts. That our hearts are like the father's, not like the elder brother's. And today I just want to finish with just saying that God is for you. That God is for you and not against you. That God wants you to know that he... He wants to put, he wants you to, to know that he wants to put afresh on you that garment of righteousness. He wants to, he wants you to know that he can put the shoes on your feet. You can go out of here rejoicing with your party shoes on, ready to dance for him, ready even if there's stuff that's heavy, even if there's stuff that's concerning you, that he wants you to know that he's there for you, that he's watching. And I believe today that God wants us to leave today being aware of this fact that we can rejoice because of who our Father is, that we can rejoice because of the Holy Spirit and all he has done for us. We were all lost until Jesus found us and by his Spirit gave us life, new life. And like the prodigal, we've all been forgiven, restored, embraced by the Father and welcomed into the party. When we get a fresh understanding of this, we are all going to enjoy a new season of rejoicing. May that rejoicing start now. No matter what's going on, don't let our emotions be tied to our circumstances. Don't let us emotionally stay out in the far place away from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because do you know what? 
God is looking for you. And he sees exactly where you are. He sees if you're right beside him or he sees if you've drifted away and you're not enjoying your walk with him. And you know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm going after you. I'm going to bring you back. And for some of you, he's saying, I'm waiting for you. Are you going to, are you going to come back to me? Because he's a God who doesn't force you. He's a God who doesn't, who doesn't come with a big stick to force you home. He's a God who waits. And if you can't get up and you can't make it yourself, he'll come and get you. Because he loves you. After you. And he wants to bring you back to the fold. He wants to bring you back to his arms. He wants to kiss you. He wants to embrace you. And he wants to see you up on your feet and dancing. I tell you on Sunday night here, we had a night, the end of the month is our night for just pure worship in this place. And I tell you, the sense of God in this place and the sense of worship was unbelievable. Something's about to break out. You know what? Our hearts need to be stirred up. Our hearts need to be in tune with the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. We need to be in tune with God. We need to know that he is for us and that he has worked out a plan for our lives. And no matter how many detours we have taken, that he still can work it into his plans. Father, we trust you and pray, Lord, that you will indeed make a mark on all our hearts today to know that we are loved, that we're bought and paid for, that you have sought us out, that you've gone after us, and that there are so many times you've waited for us. And Lord, we just now put the rest of today into your hands and we thank you for your word because it is alive and it is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray, Lord, right now that you would just minister into every heart. And Lord, as we sing this song together, may we know that we are blessed. And may we have that assurance as we sing this song, Lord, may we have that assurance that we belong to you, that you're our God, that you're our shepherd. Lord, that we would have our hearts awakened to the fact that you're a rich, good, good Father who has all the resources and all the riches in Christ Jesus for every eventuality that we will ever, ever need. Lord, today would you do a work in this place? Would you touch us deeply, Lord? Would you just revive us again in those places that have maybe got a little bit tired, a little bit dead? Lord, with fresh life and fresh invigoration, may we know what it is to rejoice as we sing this song. In Jesus' name.